0: Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads and pray with me as we prepare our hearts for the message this morning. Let's pray. Father God, you have blessed us greatly. And some of those blessings only come after conflict, after tragedy after heartache, after sorrow. And Lord, we think of those in this room watching online, friends, perhaps our own selves who are going through a time that will lead to blessing but is very difficult right now. We ask for your encouragement and your hope as you look forward to the blessing. Lord, we thank you that you've blessed us in so many ways and as we look into your word, we pray that you would bless us again and reveal to us how you do want to continue to bring blessings into our lives. Lord, we're mindful of those who are suffering greatly in the Middle East and not feeling blessed at all, and we we pray for a soon resolution to that situation. We pray that even amidst of the tragedy and the heartache, that your light would shine and people would come to know you and come to know Jesus in a personal way. Lord, as we look at your word now, we invite the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. Open our eyes to spiritual things. And I pray that you'd use me through the power of the Holy Spirit to speak truth in a loving way. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ we ask all these things. Amen. It was a beautiful spring day in San Diego, California. I was dressed in my navy dress blues. I was going up the gangway onto the ship that i had just been assigned to, the USS Gridley, a guided missile cruiser, and it was going to be my first day on the ship. And as I went across the gangway, I stopped before stepping on the ship. I turned toward the stern of the ship. I saluted the ship's ensign, flag to you civilians. Turned back to the officer of the deck, saluted him, asked permission to come aboard. He returned my salute. He gave me permission, and with one step, I stepped onto the ship, And the destiny of the USS Gridley became my destiny. Where that ship went, I would go. And I was (laughs) young-ish, soon to be 30. I was excited. I was nervous. I was enthusiastic, looking forward to my new destiny. Well, the ship was about to go on a a seven-and-a-half-month deployment in the Western Pacific, we left San Diego, California. We saved we sailed here to Honolulu. Then we went on to Japan, South Korea, Hong Kong, the Philippines, the Seychelles, Australia, Guam, back to Hawaii, and back to San Diego. And it was like fantastic. I loved it. And as a ship's chaplain, one of my extra duties was to be a tour officer, so that at every port we went, I would arrange tours for those who had liberty. So while my fellow officers were standing duty on the ship, I was doing my duty off the ship leading tours. And I did a really good job. (laughs) In addition to that, the captain of the ship was a scuba diver. I, too, am a scuba diver. And so the captain said, Chaplain, every place we go, I want you to set up for us to go scuba diving. Great. So even in ports that were not Liberty ports, where everybody else was working, my job was to keep the captain company underwater scuba diving in the Indian Ocean, in the Philippines, in Australia. It was so tough. <laughs> All those wonderful things came about because on a spring day in 1984, I stepped into the USS Gridley. And if you understand my story in the Navy, you can understand your story as a Christian as you stepped into Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says this. Notice how many times the word blessing or its cognate is used, and notice the words in Christ. Ephesians 1, 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Those two words in Christ are the key to understanding not only the book of Ephesians, but understanding what it means to be a real Christian. We started a new series. The title of the series is Real Christianity, and we've heard so many stories and so many examples of bad Christians. We hear of famous pastors or of priests, church leaders committing horrible acts of immorality. And your non-Christian friend looks at that and goes, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to believe in a Christianity like that. And you should say, I don't want to be like that either. I don't believe in a Christianity like that. We Christians are known more for what we hate and what we're opposed to than our love for people who need to be loved because they're mixed up and they're confused and they're hurting. And so when people reject that form of Christianity, we should applaud them because we should reject that form of Christianity too. We need to understand what it means to be a real Christian. The Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians, and that's why we've called this series Real Christianity When someone repeats themselves, especially your parent, (laughs) you should pay attention. The Apostle Paul repeats in Christ or a similar phrase, in him or in Jesus, not once, not twice, but in the first three chapters of this book, he repeats that phrase or similar phrase over 35 times, according to my count. Over 35 times he wants you to know that What he's talking about comes about because you have stepped into Christ. That you and Christ have become one. That there's a relationship there that will change your life. If you're taking notes, I'd like you to take them out at this time. They're available at the door. If you're watching online, they're available on our website. But a little overview of the book of Ephesians, a major theme, and I would say the major theme of the book of Ephesians is, quote, in Christ, end quote, in Christ. You must understand that concept. There are six chapters in the book of Ephesians, and it can be divided up in the first three and the second three. Chapters one to three are what we call doctrinal. They deal with doctrine. They deal with teaching, kind of the theology, the the truth aspect of what you need to know if you are going to be a real Christian. That's the first three chapters, doctrinal. The second three chapters, chapters four to six, are practical. They deal with how to put the truth into practice. You have the truth in the first three chapters. You have what we might call the love in the second three chapters, loving others and loving God. And truth and love must always go together. That's why the motto of this church we have as teaching truth and loving others. It's not enough just to teach the truth; you need to put it in action. But it's not enough just to be loving. Your love has to be based on what is true. I liken it to chopsticks. You need both. You ever tried to eat something with one chopstick? Yeah, you know, you're going like this, trying to pierce it. You need both. You need truth and love like two chopsticks. And when you don't have both, things get out of balance. They get messy when you only have one chopstick. For some of you, it gets messy with two chopsticks. <laughs> but that's why we have hypocrisy in the church because truth and love aren't balanced. That's why we have hate and licentiousness in the truth in the church because truth and love are not balanced. That's why we have intolerance. And arrogance and such things, because truth and love have not been in balance. Later in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 4, verse 15, the Apostle Paul tells us the importance of truth and love, the two chopsticks, so to speak. In Ephesians 4:15, he says, speaking the truth in love. It's not enough to be loving, and it's not enough to speak the truth. You must speak the truth in love. And then he says, we are to grow up in all aspects into him, into Christ. We're not going to grow as a Christian. We're not going to mature. We're not going to understand real Christianity without truth and love. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. The book of Ephesians gives us both. Focuses on the truth, first three chapters focuses on that truth in action, the love, in the second three. Now, I'm going to tell you a little secret, so you watching online, don't spread it, you know, online here. But in that first verse, verse 1, where it says, by the will of God to all the saints who are at Ephesus, those two words, at Ephesus, are not actually in some of the original Greek manuscripts some of the original Greek manuscripts in the New Testament are missing those words. And so, many Greek scholars, when they read that, they they see, they point out there's kind of like a a fill-in-the-blank. You put in your own name there. To the church at Kailua, or wherever it is. And, actually, this isn't a secret at all, so you can tell everybody. In fact, some of you, your Bibles has a marginal note there, and it says that Christ is not in some of the manuscripts. My Bible says that. It points it out. And so, What's concluded here is that the book of Ephesians, this letter to the people in Ephesus, was actually a cyclical letter. It was a letter to go out to many churches, not just one church, but when there was a copy going to Ephesus, they go, oh, this one's going to Ephesus. They go to the Ephesians, and so they wrote it in. And that's why in some Greek manuscripts it's still left blank. And further support of this idea that this letter was cyclical, that it was going to a number of churches is something very peculiar in this letter, which you may never have noticed, but once it's pointed out to you, you can't help but notice it. And this peculiar thing is that in this sixth chapter letter, the only person, other than the Lord Jesus Christ, the only person that the Apostle Paul mentions by name is Tychicus. And Tychicus isn't even in the church He's just the one who's delivering the letter to the church. He's the mailman because they didn't have postal service, so he had to hand it to someone who's traveling in that direction, and and they deliver the letter. And that's a little odd because the Apostle Paul spent three and a half years in Ephesus. He spent more time there than any other place that he stayed on his missionary journeys, and yet he writes a letter and he doesn't mention anybody by name. That's pretty peculiar. He knew hundreds of people there, but he doesn't mention any by name. Take, for example, the book of Romans, where the Apostle Paul, in the book of Romans, at the end, he mentions at least 28 people in the church in Rome by name, and he'd never even been there, and yet he knew people in the church. So it's a little odd that he would write a letter and not mention any by name. Plus, I mentioned last week that there are four prison epistles, four letters that Paul wrote when he was under house arrest in Rome, and one of them is the book of Ephesians, and we have Philippians, Colossians, a little book of Philemon. In those three other books, he mentions that Timothy is with him. And in the salutation, he says, Paul and Timothy. But when he writes this letter and Timothy is with him, he doesn't mention Timothy. And by the way, Timothy would become the pastor of the church in Ephesus at some point. So I think it's safe to conclude that this is a letter not just to the church in Ephesus, which gives us a key lesson for us today and that's number one there in your notes know, under Key Lessons, that we should read the book of Ephesians like it was written for you because it was. Read the book of Ephesians like it was written for you specifically because it was. You and I can benefit from every book of the Bible. And when you get to Leviticus, you kind of wonder, don't you? <laughs> Many a well-intentioned read-through-the-Bible program has died at Leviticus. I mean, Genesis and Exodus, it's exciting. We have drama. We have infidelity. We have death. We have murder. You know, all those things that people like to watch and hear about. You get to Leviticus, it's kind of a bloody mess. It's just all these sacrifices and offerings and again and again, and it's like, what, who, why, you know? You see, not every book of the Bible was written specifically for you. You can learn something from it, you can gain from it, that's why it's there, but it wasn't written to you. It was written to somebody else for them, for their instruction. But when we come to the book of Ephesians, Paul is writing it to the church at large. He's writing it to Jews and Gentiles, first century, 21st century. It's for us. One common mistake I've noticed that Christians make is they come across a promise in the Bible and they claim it for their own. Well, you can't do that unless the Holy Spirit says, claim this for your own. (laughs) If it's a promise to someone else, you can't claim that promise. Abraham, old man, no kids. Well, I'm an old man, no kids. That doesn't mean I can claim the promise that I'm going to have lots of kids unless God gives me that promise. You might be a young lady, and you're a virgin, and you don't have any kids. Well, that doesn't mean you can claim Mary's promise that she's going to have a virgin birth. You can't claim someone else's promise unless God gives it to you. But we come to the book of Ephesians, and God gives it to us. He says these promises are yours. This is a letter, a book to all of us. It's about real Christianity, and that should be real exciting as you read the book of Ephesians. We saw that in Ephesians 1, Paul introduces himself, and he writes a letter to, well, the Ephesians and and to us as well. And then we come to verse 2, and he gives the customary Greek greeting, which is grace to you, and he gives a customary Jewish greeting, shalom, or peace. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're so used to singing the name Lord Jesus Christ, we don't realize how significant this is. He's writing to Jews. And he's saying, yes, God, but Jesus is God too. And that's a whole new concept for the Jewish people. And then he's writing to Greeks, grace to you. And they had all kinds of gods. They had a plethora of gods. They had Zeus and Apollo and Artemis and Athena and all these. And he goes, no, we have God the Father. We have Jesus Christ. Those are the names. Those are the people that we worship. And he comes to verse 3. And he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And you read that and go, oh, great. What I really need is a new car. <laughs> what I really want is a bigger house. I need new clothes. And you read that if you're like me. And you go, that doesn't sound very exciting. Woo. You know, <laughs> ethereal blessing, super. You know, I want something practical. I think it's because we don't understand that. I've heard that when you work out, it's really important to work the core. You know? Just you have to have a solid core because everything's connected to the core. Your health is, is connected to the core. So I was working out my core, I thought, but I didn't know what the core was. So I'm doing sit-ups, and they go, oh, that's not the core. And I'm doing crap, that's not the core. I'm doing Russian twists, you know? I'm doing planks, all this, and... I don't know if I've worked out my core, but I'm sore. (laughs) Sore, core, I don't know how that works. God's saying, your core has to be healthy if your whole life's going to be healthy. You start with the core. That's your soul, your spirit, your immaterial nature. We see this demonstrated all the time. People that have physical blessings who are unhealthy and miserable. You can't turn on the news and things on your phone, they pop up and you see some beautiful young lady who was a model and she just committed suicide. Or some handsome young man and he's an athlete and he just overdosed on drugs. And you go, how did that happen? They, they had fame, they had beauty, they had wealth. They didn't have spiritual blessings. Their core wasn't healthy. The only way that physical blessings are really gonna be a blessing to you is at first you have had the spiritual blessings that come from God. And when it says heavenly blessings, that doesn't mean you have to wait for them till you get there. It's telling us that that's the source. These are coming to you from God, from the throne room of God. He wants to bless you to the very core. You don't pick it up in English, but verses 3 to 14 are all one sentence in the Greek. You're going, great, it took you two weeks to do one sentence. When it was verse 1, how many weeks is it going to take one sentence? It's 12 verses. It's going to take us months, I guess. I don't know. And it's in the form of a poem, in the form of a Jewish blessing called a berakah. And they would give this berakah, this blessing in the Jewish synagogue. And Paul, writing to both Greeks and Jews, is giving them a blessing in the form of this Jewish blessing. And it takes them 12 verses, One sentence. And he's going to say, the way you get blessed in verse 3 at the very end is because you are in Christ. That's how you get the blessings. Just like I was blessed to visit all these exotic ports and go on tours and scuba dive because I was in the ship, I made a choice, I stepped aboard. And when you step aboard, when you become a Christian, Christ isn't just in you, but in some way, God sees you as in Christ. And what he wants to do for Christ, he wants to do for you. And what he will do for Christ, he will do for you. And the inheritance that Christ gets, you get. And the blessings that Christ gets, you get. You are a co-heir with Christ. Thank you, Tom. These blessings reach down to your very core, and they are forever. Which brings us to our second lesson this morning. That's this, number two on your notes there. God's plan is to bless you to the deepest core. of God's plan is to bless you down the deepest core of your being forever. He wants what's best for you, and he's going to give it to you. And these spiritual blessings, like I said, have very visible and physical ramifications. And they come from God himself. And the Apostle Paul is going to tell you what these spiritual blessings are. He's going to start listing them. And like I said, it took us two weeks to get through verse 1. I don't know how long it's going to take us to get through these blessings. But we're going to look at them one by one. To see the blessings that you have that make you a healthy Christian and they're real Christianity. But for today, today, I just want to review what we looked at already, and then I want to close with the story. So first, a review. The major theme of the book of Ephesians is what? In In Christ. And we're going to see that's something you can choose or reject. Just like I did with the children's sermon with the two little men and the millennial Millennium Falcon, if you choose to step into the spaceship, it goes where it goes. If you choose not to go into that spaceship, you don't go where it goes. Just like I chose to step into the USS Gridley, I didn't have to step onto the ship. Well, maybe I had to. They ordered me to, but you know what I mean. I sort of had a choice, you know, and I stepped on the ship. You have to decide. Do you want what God wants to give you? And he lets you choose whether you will be in Christ. What does that mean? Come back next week, and maybe the week after, and the week after that. We'll be in there for a while. Okay, then, read the book of Ephesians like it was written for you, because it was. It's written for you. These are promises this, uh, to you. The, it's describing you and what it means to be a real Christian. And number two, God's plan is to bless you down to the deepest core of your being Forever. You're not going to get that unless you're in Christ. But if you're in Christ, he's going to give you that. I close with a story. So when our ship pulled into Geraldton, Western Australia, which is known for its lobster catch, obviously you had to go diving there with the captain and, you know, look for lobster, but um, did that. But I actually wanted to go to Perth. They had won the America's Cup sailing race. They had our silver cup, got it for the first time. I wanted to go to Perth, big capital of Western Australia. Um, It was about 260 miles away. So I was thinking, well, where will I stay and things like that. When One day, this Australian couple comes on our ship, and we were doing tours, and they met me, and I talked to them. It turned out they were Christians, and they were from Perth. And I mentioned, oh, I'm hoping to go to Perth. And they go, well, we're on vacation in Geraldton. We're not using our house here. And they handed me the keys of their house. Yeah, wow. I go, thanks. You know, and uh, so I, I found a couple of our officers on the ship and go, Jingle, jingle, jingle. Want to go to Perth? Yeah. You know, and then we rented a car, and then because I'd lived in Japan, and they drive on the left-hand side of the road in Australia, I was a designated driver, and we drive 260 miles, go to Perth. We stay in their home, had a great time, Saw the America's Cup. We get back to the ship, and one of the, one of the officers looks at the other officer and says, we need to hang out with the chaplain more often. <laughs> Relationships can have their Privileges. And if you're in Christ, you have certain privileges. And God wants to bless you greatly. So the question is, are you all in? Let's pray together. I invite you to bow your head even if you're watching this online so you can have a private moment as we pray. Would you still listen? Is Christ part of your life? Have you made a decision to follow him. If you haven't and recognize your need to do that, would you take a moment quietly in your heart to pray something like this, if it's true of you. Lord Jesus, I understand and I believe that you died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. I understand and believe that you rose from the grave and that you've conquered death and are offering me eternal life, forgiveness of sins forever. And so I place my faith in you, Lord. I ask you to come into my life, and I'm making a decision now to follow you as best I can. And I say thank you, Jesus, that I'm now in Christ, and Christ is in me. Lord, as we continue to pray, we want to say thank you that you only have our best in mind. We thank you, Lord, that you will give us the kingdom with Christ. We thank you, Lord, that we will be free from guilt and shame and sin and heartache and conflict for all eternity because we're in Christ. Lord, help us to live out our Christianity in a way that attracts others to Jesus Christ. they too can be blessed by you we ask these things through that wonderful name of jesus amen